Welcome back to Take a Look Around. Our podcast is at the intersection of new metal and Hollywood, just as the cradle of life is at the intersection of all of our hearts. My name is Shawnee Campion, and as always, I'm joined by my filthy, creamy, and have I already said filthy? Let's say filthy again. Filthy co-host Alistair Bates. How are you, Batesy? Sean, I am not too shabby. How has your day been? My day has been beautiful. I managed to brick the laptop, which has all of our recordings on it. Oh, great. So How many minutes before we were supposed to record was this? About 45 <laughs> seconds. So we're making do, big dog. That's yeah, how man. we do. Yeah, we roll with the punches. Flying by the seat of our pants. You know, if anything, new Metal has a DIY ethos that isn't attached to any kind of big commercial record company at all. Yeah, right. That's not how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the money, you mother... I love gold! I need you to ask me a question. Of course, Sean. Look, I know this has been a tough year for Hollywood, but I need you to tell me, is there any potential new upcoming new metal movies coming out? Before I do that, as always, I'm going to need a drum roll. First things first, the jock is vicious, my man Fred Durst. Access Hollywood license to kill a redneck fucker from Jacksonville. For the year of our Lord, 2020, there are no new new metal movies. Didn't think it would end this way. End? No, the journey doesn't end here. I reckon oh next God. time, though. We're going to get him next time. Yeah, I, I think that's it's more than likely. Look, Sean, this is uh, continuing last week's fantastic news segment. Sean, I just want to know, are you down with the mailbag? Baby, I've always been down with the mailbag. <laughs> now, this week's question comes from our good friend Alex Griffin, a.k.a. at the bra dog on Twitter, who has asked us, how many degrees of separation between Fred Durst and Jeffrey Epstein? I'm so glad you asked. As per our Six Degrees of Durst segment, we've decided to have a look. And when I Google Fred Durst, Jeffrey Epstein, I get 300 million results. Thanks very much for asking, Alex Griffin. I'm glad we could enlighten you. Now, if there's anyone that's going to have a connection to Jeffrey Epstein, it's our guest today, Cameron Finlay, a.k.a. Contravoid. I, so I, knew, I, I knew that was like going to be my introduction somewhere. <laughs> and yet you stuck around. How come? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I just knew it. Now, everybody, Contravoid, a.k.a. Cameron Finlay, is a fantastic electronic body music act that alternates between Canada and uh, you in Berlin now half the year nowadays. I'm, what are you, what I'm are you in, up to? I'm in Toronto right now as of like March. 
your uh, release on Fleisch of two years back now, absolutely incredible, and your most recent release is just as good, too deep. I love <laughs> it. You. What have What have you I got on the you. horizon for us? Oh, I don't, at the moment, pff, fuck, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm working on a bunch of stuff, but as far as releases go, I don't know. I'll I'll see how things go in like the next few months. Basically, just like recording and working on something every day, but. Try to put something out at the beginning of next year, I guess. That's sort of like what I'm aiming for. I'm extremely keen. I listen to Cost of Life when I'm hungover and uh, just yeah. like <laughs> stare right. out the window wistfully. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. That's kind of what it's meant for, yeah. So every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, baby. Tell me on those. Cam, tell me, what was yeah. it like to see new Metal coming up? Because, uh, you know, you're you're a, an elder statesman of the music scene. A, I think yeah. at one point you were the live drummer for Crystal Castles. Am I hearing I you was, correctly? yeah. I was for a couple years, like 07 to 09. Noted new metal outfit, Crystal Castles. Of <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess um, the importance of it is basically like, well, I... I my first instrument was drums and basically how I learned to play drums was kind of just like listening to records that I liked as a teenager. And like, you know, earlier, like I mentioned, it's like family values tour live record is basically like I listened to that and then like played drums to it. And that's kind of how I taught myself how to play music or like initially play drums. So, so like, when you know, Fred Durst said, John Otto, take it to the Matthews bridge. You were like, that's my name. I'm John Otto. <laughs> I will Basically. take it to the Matthews Bridge. Basically, exactly. Exactly. I so, love yeah. it. Now, Cam, you picked today's film, Tomb Raider, but you have a funny story <laughs> about it, don't you? Yeah, so what, are we going to tell that? Is that yeah. what you're <laughs> yeah, okay, right, so Let's get it out in the open. All right, so we mixed up the Tomb Raider movies that we should have been watching. Well, I mixed it up. Fucking remix. There's some sort of lack of... Or, some sort of miscommunication there. I think lack it's is the right lack word. Of, <laughs> lack of, we should we should have mentioned that like right before, like earlier today or yesterday. But either way, I, I, I watched the first one, and so you guys are talking about the second one or third one. Tomb Raider: Cradle of Life, and there's also Just, a third Tomb Raider film, a reboot of the franchise, which has been given uh, the fantastic title, which doesn't de delay any kind of confusion. Tomb Raider. All oh, right. So <laughs> that's three. Okay. There's three we Tomb Raiders. We should just play all three trailers uh, at on the top same of time. Each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's all right because, like, while you guys were doing the introduction, I watched a trailer for the uh, Cradle of Life one, and it's basically yeah. the same movie as the first. So <laughs> it's like, I mean, the same, you know, same kind of story. It seems like so. Uh, Raiding yeah. tombs, whatnot. I feel. I feel like we'll be able to do this regardless. It's, you know, I don't think it's I'm excited. A well, since we're all on the same page, let's get our listeners on the same page by playing them the trailer as well. In 2300 BC, an Egyptian pharaoh found a place that he named the Cradle of Life. And there he found a box which contained life and death. And it has never been seen since. His name is Jonathan Rice. He doesn't care who his weapons kill or why. Rice is going to find Pandora's box. You mean the Greek myth? That's the Sunday school version. It's a weapon more powerful than you could ever imagine. You assigned two of our best agents. I don't want them. I need an insider, someone who knows their methods, their hideouts. I need Terry Sheridan. 
No guns. No weapons of any kind. Talk about taking the fun out of life. Mm. So this rock is the map to Pandora's box. It's in Africa. Africa it is. Men are coming for the box. No one who has gone looking for this has come back. Cradle of life. It's your destiny. Our film opens up in Santorini, Greece, a place I've always wanted to visit. Cam, have you played Greece? I haven't played Greece, no. It looks Never. gorgeous, love doesn't it? I heard uh, Greece is the word. Oh. Yeah, no <laughs> Greece fans in the building? <laughs> yeah, just... I think the, the Venn diagram between John Travolta Greece fans and Swordfish John Travolta fans is this podcast. Yeah. So Santorini, Greece, we get a wedding party where the after a fantastic dance sequence, the bride decides, let's shake things up a little bit. Let's get the DJ to play some forbidden music. And what does he put on? Kasabian! Like, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if it was Kasabian or just like the Verve or some kind of uh, Z-list Brit Britpop band. <laughs> now, as uh... soon as this DJ starts dumping this music out to the coast of Greece, this triggers an avalanche. Al, you've played Tokyo Sing Song, and Cam, you've played the main room of Berghain. So, is this what DJing is like? <laughs> uh, absolutely, man. Especially wedding DJing. I, I, I'm, the amount of times I've DJed weddings and there's been avalanches or landslides, I... I've lost count, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, Cam, I'm when you say put on Shoot the Runner by Kasabian in Bergheim, <laughs> does it just go absolutely <laughs> off? Yeah, I don't, yeah definitely. Sure, why not? I don't even know. I don't know what this song. What's the song? What's that song? It's Kasabian. just like a, like, all right. Imagine like Blur. Uh-huh. Now, I remember the imagine band Blur name, had yeah. puppies and it's the runt <laughs> of the litter. I would say they're like Oasis's shittier uh children but they fried their brains on really dot ecstasy like All it's right. just like really dancey yeah. oasis and that's how this movie starts that's the first scene absolutely yeah, so Shit. we right. get yeah. uh yeah brayden gallagher's band <laughs> okay so from there this avalanche has triggered a shifting of the currents that has unearthed a, a tomb if you will and who's going to raid a tomb why it's lara croft the tomb raider herself now, she rocks up on uh, a jet ski, so I had all of this material planned about asking oh, our shit. resident goth <laughs> jet ski owner how, how yeah. he felt about this. 
Uh-huh. Cam, uh, is the jet skiing accurate it. in this film? There's a flip. Can you do a flip? No, I can't. No, I would never dare to do that. But I'm good. I can tell you, it's probably very accurate. Like, <laughs> right, fantastic. I'm glad yeah, because <laughs> you coming on this podcast was really banking yeah, on that answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, as we go on, it's revealed. It turns out it belonged to Alexander the Great. There's a plot device MacGuffin inside there of some kind of orb. They don't even give it a name. They just call it the orb for the Yeah, and I mean, like, it's never really, like, uh, accurately depicted why everyone wants the orb. Like, what do you get if you find it? Okay, this is the same thing as the first one. They find, like, a piece of a clock or something. So... I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, we don't really... It doesn't matter that we watch this <laughs> d- different I'm movies. I'm loving this synergy. Like, it's, like it's just... There's a piece of, like, a clock that was, like, part of the Illuminati or something in the first one. The Illuminati tries to get it back, and then whatever, you know, things kind of go from there. But anyway, yeah, like, so... Is this I think how we're on you the and the page. Illuminati felt when you killed Jeffrey Epstein in the jail cell? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, how did that, how'd that go... <laughs> We'll we'll continue. (laughs) So basically, it's divulged that the orb will lead us to the cradle of life, which is effectively Pandora's box. Now, I would have called this film Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, and the Cradle of Life, a.k.a. Pandora's box. But apparently, you know, it's already a mouthful. That's just semantics. That's just syntax at that point. Now, along for the ride uh, from the original is... uh, Australia, specifically, uh, is he Queensland? He's Queensland, isn't he? Uh, Noah, Noah Taylor? Taylor, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think he's from Queensland. Yeah, he was in, he died with falafel in his hand. So, that's Queensland. Yeah. That's our movie, yeah. baby. Um, yeah, no, he's fantastic. I don't understand why he isn't as big as Ben Mendelsohn. He's one of Australia's greatest character actors. He's um... Well, you know he was in Game of Thrones. He's the guy that cuts off Jamie's hand. I did not watch a fucking second of Game of Thrones. He's doing pretty well for himself, to be honest. Not Mendo uh, good. Not uh, uh, he like... was recently uh, Adolf Hitler in Preacher, the adaptation of the famous comic book series that Seth Rogen, of all people, fucking did. <laughs> True. As opposed to Al Bates, who's just Adolf Hitler in everyday life. Yeah, well, I got a problem. Um, <laughs> on top of that, we're, we're also joined by Hillary, played by Chris Barry from Red Dwarf and the British Empire. Oh, uh, I he's think Richter Al- in Red Dwarf. I Rimmer, was like, Rimmer, yeah, yeah. Rimmer. I was the like, who is man. this just like C-plus like <laughs> British character actor? I do not give a fuck about him. I want yeah. him to die. So when he gets eventually kidnapped, I was like, good, it's about time. <laughs> Along for the ride as well, we've got Gerard Butler as a Scottish mercenary whose name I can't even remember for the life of me. But this would only be, I want to say, a year and a half after his portrayal of the vampire in Queen of the Damned, Lestat. But no, he, he was, he was uh, Dracula in Dracula 2000. Oh, shit. Those movies are like the same movie. <laughs> They're already taking up the same space in my head. But, I mean, he's noticeably bulkier. He's got the crew cut. This is already the Jared Butler we know. He's woefully miscast in Dracula 2000, but he makes sense in this. Uh, this, is, this is pretty standard Mission Impossible stuff here. Like, you know, they want the orb. They got to get the orb. There's a bad guy who, I mean, 
this feels genuinely like the exact same plot as Mission Impossible 2, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I guess because of uh, Pandora's box contains a long-thought eradicated virus that has potential to cause catastrophic deaths. Yeah, and, and aside from that, everything else, much like Mission Impossible 2, was kind of murky and style over substancey and uh just kind of uninteresting but not but like in a manageable way like i definitely watched this film whilst eating my breakfast and doing like my morning chores and was still able to kind of keep up of the non-existent plot <laughs> yeah now i've put down favorite scenes choice bits of dialogue memories of actors trivia as all parts on the run sheet but honestly, I can't... Th this film was like the equivalent of just like eating McDonald's at three in the morning. You barely remember you've done it and it sustains you. I know that Till Schweiger from Inglorious Bastards was quite enjoyable as a henchman. Kieran Hines was in it. Uh, there's some sequences with CGI shadow monsters that feel okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Really, this film is quite forgettable plot-wise, isn't it? Yeah, like, I just don't remember why they're trying to sell the virus. There's this whole weird subplot of this classic British villain turned, uh... Karen Hines from The Terror. Yeah, he's ex-MI6 agent who's gone rogue and is trying to uh, make money off this virus. This one actually makes the first one sound, like, way better. <laughs> yeah. Did anything <laughs> cool happen in the first one, Cam? Well, the first one's just like, I mean, it's the same sort of like forgettable plot, but like, I mean, I've watched it twice now, like, and I don't really know what's going on at all still, <laughs> but it's just, I don't know, it's just, you know, the, the there's like some good scenes in it or whatever. Actually, the first one, there's like, there's something that I wanted to bring up, which I thought was like kind of funny in the first one, it's like John Voight plays her father in the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she. I don't know if he's in the third or in the second one, the one that you guys are talking about. Is he no, not? he isn't. He's not. So he's, oh, he's in the her first real one. life father, isn't he? Here's her real life yeah, father. Yeah, and th there was quite a lot of press around that as well because I think at the time they were a little bit estranged, um, and this was, you know, the yeah. So there was like a big moment, right, where it's like okay, yeah. we're together on a film, and yeah, exactly, and and, and I think they are still estranged as a yeah. recording well, they're, they're, podcast. They're, they're never they're never in the same scene together or whatever in the first oh one. really so, yeah, yeah it's all it's all just like different take because he's dead <laughs> he, he's dead oh, in the that's first right. one. like and that's what her like whole purpose of the movie is to go like avenge his death by finding this like you know this time piece or whatever that fits in this mechanism that stops time and then like they you know are able to like I don't even know how it ends, basically. But anyway, he was killed trying to find this piece by, like, the bad guy that she tries to kill in the movie. But they're never, ever in the same scene. It's always always just, like, he's, like, a memory, you know, to her. For a second there, I thought you meant that uh, John Voight had died. I was like, how did I miss this? I want to watch Anaconda no, right now. No, he's, st <laughs> he's st definitely still around. He's still with us, unfortunately. Crazy yeah. man. Yeah, psycho. I, anytime we bring up Angelina Jolie, I need to talk about this. But I know we've touched on it before, but uh, Cam, do you remember when Angelina Jolie made out with her brother on stage? I think it was like... Okay, yeah, I do. But I thought it was at an awards ceremony, and I thought it was like she won something. And... Oh, it's wonderful to work in a town with so many creative, talented, gorgeous, sexy women. And I have that enviable job of getting close to one of them. I'm, I'm in shock. 
And I'm so in love with my brother right now. <laughs> he just held me and said he loved me. And I know he's so happy for me. And um, thank you for that. Yeah. It was just like a big, like, in two open mouth of a kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Anyway, hi. <laughs> let's talk production baby sure <laughs> okay so production wise this film follows on from a incredibly successful first film at the box office it made 250 million it was directed by simon west of con air fame if only yeah. we had someone that had watched the film to give us some insight into it what, hmm. Con Air? No, the original Tomb Raider. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I've watched both. <laughs> no. Any takers? No. Anyone? No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Brought on for the sequel is Jan de Bont, who was Paul Verhoeven's cinematographer during the 80s and would go on to 90s filmmaking royalty with Speed starring Keanu Reeves and Twister starring... Uh, I don't know, one of the Quades. <laughs> now, he was literally the biggest thing in the world during the 90s. And by the time that Lara Croft Tomb Raider came out, it was a, it was a moderate hit, but it never really approached anywhere near any box office drawer of the Simon West original. And I mean we're talking like a hundred million dollars difference it was critically better received but it's still considered rotten on rotten tomato hey you uh, he hasn't directed anything since 2003 as the well. only thing like... he's done in the last decade is an executive producer credit on that zach efron nicole kidman movie the Paperboy. i don't know oh, what cool. he's doing <laughs> Uh, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as production goes as well, I just don't know, man. This film, it's kind of globetrotting in the annoying way that a lot of films from later periods would be, where it makes you kind of feel like it's fast-paced when instead it's just uh, a whole bunch of fucking tourism boards <laughs> trying to get, like, <laughs> Greece, China, Africa, like, <laughs> all of these crazy countries that maybe you could visit if you've enjoyed this movie. There is a whole lot that's kind of unremarkable about this film. Well, that ties into what I wanted to bring up next, which was, does this film feel 290s for 2003? You've got your end of the Cold War Euro bad guy that was ex-KGB that's now an arms dealer. You've got 80s Indiana Jones kind of set pieces with the tombs. You've got the GoldenEye Mission Impossible Nokia Wave aesthetic with all of the, the, the Panasonic laptops and flip phones oh, yeah. and everything like that. We've still, and now, still got all that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was that in the first as well? Yeah, of course, yeah. It's only oh, two man. years. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, like... it's two or three years since the original film. And Panasonic really... Say, Panasonic fucking dipped, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Actually, there, to now. there's way more, like, Sony in the first one. There's, like, she yeah. has, like, all these, like, Sony, like, these, like, specifically, like, made, like, Sony, like, I don't know, mini discs or whatever, like, something that's yeah. just very, very like, oh, 2001 I remember mini all discs. over that. Mini discs Did you rock with like, mini discs, Cam? 
I didn't have a mini disc player, no. But I remember all like Sony had like all this different stuff around that time, and they had all these like memory cards that were like SD cards and shit like that. So like, mm -mm. that's all over the first one. But I guess you're saying I've now. I've got this really good mental image right now <laughs> of like young Cam in a pair of Jinko jeans, <laughs> Sony mini disc player with like Candy Ass by Orgy in it. And he's just like, hey, Cam, why you know I speak with your accent no more? I um, I got a mini disc player when everyone got MP3 players. It was that classic. That <laughs> sucked, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that classic. We got you the thing you want, kid. <laughs> Not that I'm complaining, but it was definitely like a, oh, well, nobody has mini discs. And if I want to buy a record on mini disc, it costs $50. <laughs> so mini discs were like a big thing in the 2003 movie. They're like around. Yeah, I can't remember. I really. By 2003, they're out of fashion. They were, it's definitely they were 2001. Done. Yeah. But it's like it's like technology kind of like went back as the you know the franchise moved forward because like it well, seemed like that's kind of what I'm getting at here. That you look at the other big 2003 new metal action films, you've got the Matrix sequels, you've got Underworld, and like compared to those, this just looks like you know it looks like it was made in 1998 in comparison. To be honest, mm -hmm. it it's a what is it that Hans Gruber says in Die Hard? You're in a, an analog watch in a digital world. You're a mini disc player in a digital world. <laughs> Help me out here, people. See, the interesting thing about Die Hard is that, um, and I don't know if a lot of people have mentioned this, but it's actually technically a Christmas Shut the film. fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Lara Croft Tomb Raider, as a lot of our listeners would know, but just for a bit of context for those that don't, started her life in a 90s video game series by Eidos Interactive and Core Design in the mid-90s. It was an absolute smash hit on the original PlayStation and was a constant mainstay with an annual release of a Lara Croft Tomb Raider game for every year up until 2001. Eidos made significant use of her as a character in marketing for the film but also licensed her image and her design to other companies for commercial work i don't know if anyone remembers this even if as if it seems like a distant dream but there was Super Bowl ads with Lara Croft for the likes of Visa, oh, uh, soft drink Lucasade, and weird little mini metro cars in Italy. Uh, in the Visa ads, she's played by uh, Sofia Vergara from Modern Family. Oh, wow. But uh, as time went on and the technology got better, future ads would be entirely in 3D using her as a digital avatar. Crikey. Now, this is probably the first example I can really think of, like a digital influencer or something really transcending their original space to become a marketing tool. Uh, Edios tried to do that again in the same year as Cradle of Life with 2002's Final Fantasy movie, The Spirits Within. Where they oh, that was a, them as uh, well. 
Yeah, they created like a fully digital actress in attempts to kind of make her a star that they could put her in absolutely everything but yeah this is kind of a thing that they've tried several times unlike laura croft however uh that character fucking flopped because nobody saw the final fantasy movie <laughs> that movie uh, was... rocks it was a constant rental for me what was the character that they tried to use the the lead actress from it Okay. They tried to like make her an actress that could be inserted into other films. You haven't seen it. It's the first computer-generated feature that attempts to have truly lifelike human characters. And this movie, is, it's, it's really amazing. The characters' faces, the way they move, it's all very impressive what computers can do these days. Unfortunately, this type of filmmaking is incredibly expensive. And you can tell that at one point the producer simply ran out of money. <laughs> now, there's similar examples today. Uh, PC Music's QT, uh, acts like Poppy that kind of blur the line with the Uncanny Valley as a as a digital character. And recently, that Lil Michaela, the um, Instagram influencer who has something like 1.2 million followers on Instagram. And a bunch of computer designers wrote in a sexual assault into her backstory. Oh, the whole thing gets incredibly murky. I, it, it's bizarre. And, I mean, it's not the first time that people would try and put, put some kind of life into brand mascots, as we saw from last year's Mr. Peanut Dies disaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned that. Okay, what happened? <laughs> May he roast in peace. <laughs> the top hat and monocle-wearing cane-holding pitch man for Planters Peanuts is no more. And the way it happened is pretty nuts. He died in a new commercial starring Matt Walsh and Wesley Snipes. Take a look. I just died in your arms tonight. Oh, look out! Oh, 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 we're too heavy. Oh. Matt, let go. No, you let go. <sighs> hey, Mr. Peanut, no, you don't. Don't do it, Mr. Peanut. No! no! <gasps> Maybe he'll be all right. Maybe not. So he's just dead now. There's no more, like, well, he's it, gone. Well, it was all planned was that they were going to do a Super Bowl commercial for Mr. Peanut Butter or Mr. Peanut being rebirthed as like, I don't know, <laughs> Peanut Junior, Peanut 2.0. And then I think coronavirus happened and the idea of like, uh, you know, like a, a peanut dying of a disease. Seemed like, oh, whoever got paid a million dollars for that completely shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> So, soundtrack-wise, this film is interesting in that it was marketed as a new metal film. All of the trailers include new metal. However, the actual film itself is made up almost entirely of Kasabian and Dandy Warhol. <laughs> the old last... classic bait-and-switch. <laughs> <laughs> you were the last high played several times. I know Satellite by P.O.D. cops a play in the credits along with a corn track which didn't actually get to appear on the soundtrack album due to licensing rights 
But this is an, another example of us being tricked into watching a film and then tricking our guests into watching a different <laughs> film. Yeah. I mean, they no new metal, baby. Yeah, they did that with the first one, too. It's basically, I guess, a bunch of like early 2000s electronica. And then and the yeah, there's some crystal methods, single. some U2. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then there's just U2. And then yeah, you're just fuck like, it. Okay, Do you shit. fuck with U2, Cam? No, I don't. No. Do you? Me and Chris are huge U2 guys. I really? Uh, okay. I saw them last year, and I think the fourth song they played was Elevation. <laughs> and there was this weird disconnect of, like, everyone is singing along to the song from the Tomb Raider movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, um, That's all that I could remember. have been also the psychedelic drugs I was on that <laughs> was making me wig out about the Tomb Raider song. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they rock. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. They're the world's greatest Christian rock band. <laughs> oh, were they Christian? Oh, yeah. They were like a part of this weird um, culty group called the Shalom Collective that were like this weird evangelical Christian group. Like, heaps of the songs are about God. Really? What? So, this like weird kind of like subsect of like weird cult that wear masks and commit bizarre rituals and play music does that sound like anyone we know yeah. <laughs> yeah. um the guys from eyes wide shut hey <laughs> cam what was it like to get to play the piano in from eyes wide shut well actually you know it's funny you mentioned that yeah <laughs> I've actually been playing a lot of piano lately again. So oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah little it's Rhodes good. piano on the MIDI keyboard. Uh, I was going to say, I'm trying to put together a, a, like a live record, so I'm, you know, tr- trying to like play piano on it. Yeah. Like Prince and uh, his piano albums. Have you ever heard those? Those are great. Basically, I, exactly. I accidentally DJed an orgy once. I don't know if I've ever told you that, Sean. How'd you, um, how'd you accidentally do that? I got booked uh, very last minute, like, Maybe at like four o'clock that evening, I got a text from a guy I would play out with in clubs, and guy he used hit me to up. Go to orgies with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Sean from Swiss Dank, if you're listening, thank you. Um, I rocked up to this party without kind of knowing anything about it. The hosts were just like, "Man, you know, whatever goes. Like, if you see a chick, like, just go. Feel free to hang out with her." And I was just like. Um, okay, I don't know exactly what that So, means. can I just plug in my USB? So <laughs> yeah. You guys got record box. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then maybe like two hours into it, the door opens and like a whole bunch of incredibly scantily clad girls come in. They start singing happy birthday uh, to the guy whose birthday it was. They put him on a table and one starts sitting on his face and the other starts fucking blowing him off. And then eventually everyone starts, like, getting down to business. And I was just standing there, like, in complete shock, <laughs> just awkwardly eating, like, a, from a charcuterie plate that was right next to the DJ booth, just stressfully filling my mouth full of, like, cheese and biscuits. It's And then I got paid $400 cash, so it was a pretty great night. Nice. That's nice of Epstein to give you cash. <laughs> yeah. um, Cam, weirdest place you've DJ'd? Can't say I've like DJ'd anywhere that weird to be honest, but like I played a show on a skating rink once. That was really weird. Like played drums, like with like a bunch of like you know, it was like during the afternoon for like a festival. It was like a it was like a like a mini carnival basically. 
It was for like it was for like the Winter Olympics in like 2010 with like a in Toronto, baby. Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> it was in uh, it was in Vancouver. But it was like <laughs> the Vancouver, big apple. Hey, I'm walking here. Bean town. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That was weird, I guess. Now Cam, we have a very uh, special events that we'd like you to take part in. Mm-hmm. This is, as we do every week, Al, I would like to know what is the Six Degrees of Durst rating? Six Degrees of Durst. 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 Shag my friends tonight! Sure. Uh, let me just put the numbers into the computer. Stand back, everybody. There's a new virus in the database. What's happening? It's replicating, eating up memory. Uh, what do I do? Type cookie. Oh my god, Sean. You guys won't believe it. The dust computer has... It's Something has happened. It's What? Someone has dropped a logic bomb through the trapdoor. I think we're kidding. I think we got too close, man. I think with this Jeffrey Epstein stuff, uh, man, I think I think the computer's on the fritz. I, I just, you're kidding. So you're telling yeah, me I, that not only do we not have a six degrees of Durst number, but we will never get to know the six degrees of Durst number ever again. That is exactly what I am saying, Sean. What I am saying is that our computer has broken. And this segment will no longer exist because of this computer that is real, that has broken. Thank you so much to our Shit. listeners for staying with us for this. Cam, any thoughts? <laughs> so, so zero degrees of separation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess if you want to round down. <laughs> yeah, round, round down then. Let's get a little in-memorial clip playing. Durst rating of two. Why it doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind. I designed this rhyme to explain Be cool. Starring Fred Durst. Time is a valuable thing. Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings. Watch it count down to the end of the day. The clock ticks. Durst rating of two. Didn't look out below. Watch the time go right out the window. Trying to hold on. Didn't even know. Be cool. Starring Fred Durst. Be cool. Starring Fred Durst. Durst rating of two. Durst rating of two. Be cool. Starring Fred Durst. All right now. Wasn't that fun? Ow. We've mm. not done the Durst rating, but we've discussed the production. We've discussed the soundtrack. Wait, we've so that was so two... wait, 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 so that was it. The computer's just done now. There's no Durst rating. No, no uh, Durst rating. No, no Durst yeah. rating. You, I don't know about you, but you can't, you can't get a Durst rating from a broken computer. You can't use your phone or anything for this? Like, nothing? You sound, like what? Like with my, my Panasonic flip phone connected yeah. to my mini Well, I'm just player. saying, if this is the last time you guys are going to do it, like... 
<laughs> it's uh, got to be something else. You can't just there's, there's literally like, no way that technology has been able to keep up with the supercomputer that was running the Durst rating cam. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's just yeah, not but, feasible. All right, it's right. coal was forged right, from over. a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> The Dell Inspiron we used yeah, to run vibranium, the all vibranium has has died. It's just not going to happen. What will happen though is our bad. bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. So Cam, as our lovely guest, who's been so patient with us to stick around for a film he hasn't seen, a <laughs> podcast he hasn't listened to, from I listened to the first he one. No actually. doubt hates. Yeah. Do you yeah, want to give uh, us a body's hit the floor score? You can even do it for the film you've seen. I give it a one point five, maybe two. It. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a that's lot of bodies, good. baby. <laughs> what about? I mean, well, what about you guys? What about the third one? Or what about this one that you guys watched? Uh, I'm gonna, now? I'm gonna give it a uh, probably a one and a half as well. It was probably not the... Actually, no, I'll give it a two. This isn't the worst thing that we've watched. Um, it's in, the same movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the, for the same movie as the first, from what I hear. Yeah. I, I, As I said, I watched it whilst eating breakfast and doing my morning chores and was still able to kind of keep up with the non-existent plot. I mean, it's just kind of a lot of sexy Angelina Jolie scenes. There's that one scene where she sucks on Gerard Butler's nipple, which was unexpected and that made me feel kind of funny uh so i guess that's like that's one of the stars out of the two stars that i'm i mean two bodies that i'm giving it stars what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> sorry i was just thinking of uh, the two celebrities the two stars oh. of the film yeah that's al he's always thinking on his feet <laughs> yeah <laughs> now myself i'm gonna give this two and a half bodies hitting the floor i really liked the opening of this film i really like till schweiger as a henchman i like kieran hines i think they're all great jared butler kind of impressed me to be honest i mean he'd go on to be in one of the most terrible and racist productions the has fallen series but here he's he's totally serviceable he's fun uh the middle half of the film i sent some absolutely fantastic text messages and the last half of the film it's fantastic all the africa stuff it's good this film is worth a watch it's it's on streaming services you can give it a look it's fun i cannot endorse sean's message (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't i can't either basically but i figured out that like i probably should have realized that like once you mentioned gerard butler that like you know i'm watching the entire movie and he like wasn't in it so by the end i'm like okay like well well well, but like now like listening to you guys explain it i'm like okay because daniel craig's in the first one he's basically the same character yeah he's basically the same baddie i think it was his first big film Actually, yeah. I think it might have been his first film. Yeah, he's the, probably the same character as Gerard Butler in the in the second one. Like, same role, similar role. But, when uh, Daniel Craig does camp, uh, for instance, Logan Lucky, or he's kind of a bit campy in Munich, he's fantastic. When he tries to play it straight, it's like the least believable thing in the world. Well, yeah, cause especially in this one, because he plays like an American like scientist or whatever. I don't know, but he's got like, you know... A forced American accent in it. Love it. Righteous. Before we finish up, uh, Cam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Social media for yourself? Yeah, just uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Contravoid. 
That's it. Contravoid is a fantastic follow on Instagram. Always a good Thanks. laugh. Some good <laughs> stuff on Twitter as well. Thanks. Your album Too Deep and is man. fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. I feel like m more than anything right now, we all we need is a laugh. So yeah. I, the I world salute needs you, laughter. Cam, for, for bringing the laughter as well as the music. Right on. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone deserves music, sweet music. If you'd like to follow, take a look around. <laughs> We're on uh, Twitter as Take a Look Pod, on Instagram as Take a Look Around Pod, on Facebook as Take a Look Around the Podcast. We do do bonus episodes every week. This on our Patreon this month, we are looking at the video game adaptations of You Bowl, which is somehow worse than this video game adaptation. <laughs> Tune in, that? it's some good stuff. Thanks so much for having us, Cam, or for All right, thanks coming so much, on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you just like trying to subconsciously yeah. get him to like <laughs> say, "Thanks so much for having me." <laughs> I just, I just said in. it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you are okay. the Canadian ambassador to take a look around Onia. Damn, uh, that means a lot. Right. state that we will establish once uh, society has crumbled and. The dust uh -huh. is settled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Well, thanks for watching.